Solar panels throw shade in a good way. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Further degradation of the Earth's land must be stopped to prevent catastrophic global warming. That's a conclusion in a major new report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Since 1960, population growth and intensive farming have led to unsustainable rates of land and fresh water use. Today, the report says some 500 million people live in areas that experience desertification, the process by which fertile land becomes desert, which can usually occur as a result of drought, deforestation, or unsustainable agricultural practices. Other causes include overpumping of groundwater, urbanization, and climate change. Land has a critical role in limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, but when an area becomes desert, it's less able to absorb carbon. Many parts of the world are already facing expanding deserts and are at risk of food and water shortages. Some of these effects could soon become irreversible. There's also increasing demand for new land for agriculture that impedes nature's ability to sequester carbon. The Center for American Progress said that a football field's worth of America's natural areas disappear to development every 30 seconds. The report presents solutions to reduce agriculture's effect on warming, including using less fertilizer, less tillage, and having diets that are rich in plants instead of heavy in red meat. We also learned last week that 17 countries, comprising about a quarter of the world's population, face extremely high water stress, like taps running dry, which was recently threatened in Cape Town and is currently happening in parts of India. A report from the World Resource Institute says that the countries facing the highest risk are mainly in the Middle East and North Africa. The institute found that water withdrawals globally have more than doubled since the 1960s due to growing demand that shows no signs of slowing. Water stress can worsen conflict and migration and poses risks to industry like manufacturing and mining. In the U.S., the organization says that the state of New Mexico will face extremely high water stress, followed by California, Colorado, Arizona, and Nebraska. The report notes that there are three straightforward ways to address water stress, increase agricultural efficiency, invest in gray and green infrastructure, and reuse and recycle wastewater. 2,000 miles of the Pacific coast from Alaska to Oregon are experiencing drought. The dry conditions in British Columbia may be affecting a small but ubiquitous shrub that is important for coastal vegetation. Salal is a hardy evergreen that can grow up to 15 feet tall, protecting undergrowth from wind and sea spray. It produces sweet berries consumed by wildlife and has been used by indigenous peoples for centuries in ceremonies and medicines. However, Hakai Magazine reports that recently, dead and dying shrubs have been observed. While the die-off could be from fungus, it could also be from the dry conditions. Nancy Turner of the University of Victoria told the magazine that the cause could be related to climate change as the Salal can't withstand the summer drought. She said losing the shrub would cause a cascading effect through the ecosystem, affecting songbirds, deer, bears, and wildlife in general. 
Melting glaciers in the Himalayas are releasing decades of accumulated pollutants into downstream ecosystems. Chemicals that have been used in pesticides are ending up in lakes, impacting aquatic life and accumulating in fish at levels that could be toxic to humans if consumed. Contaminants can travel long distances through the air on dust particles and water molecules. Fizz.org reports that previous studies have shown that even ice sheets in the Arctic and Antarctic contain high levels of A new report published in the Journal of Geophysical Research Atmospheres shows that Himalayan glaciers contain higher levels of atmospheric contaminants than glaciers elsewhere because of their proximity to South Asian countries that are some of the most polluted regions in the world. Kimberly Miner of the University of Maine, who was not part of the study, told Fizz.org that the potential for chemicals to bioaccumulate is extraordinary. She said that everything released on Earth stays somewhere on Earth. And finally this week, it seems logical that the best place to put solar panels would be in the desert, where an array could get endless sun. But according to new research, photovoltaics are kind of like us when it comes to the weather. They're happier when it's cool, dry, and breezy. A team of researchers from Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences collected data on solar arrays on the school's ag lands where they recorded air temperature, humidity, wind speed, and soil moisture. They found that when it's hot, solar panels performed worse. Same goes for when there's no breeze or when it's too humid. So where then is the most productive place to site a solar farm? On a farm. And they even have a name for it, agrivoltaics. In fact, according to their study published in the journal Scientific Reports, if less than 1% of agricultural land were converted to solar panels, it would provide enough electricity to satisfy global demand. Not only that, in previous research by the same authors, they showed that solar panels would increase crop yields on dry, unirrigated farmland. In a separate study, Greg Baron Gafford at the University of Arizona told the Ecological Society of America that solar arrays could also work well on irrigated fields because the environment under the panels is much cooler in the summer and stays warmer in the winter. He said that crops grown under panels have lower drought stress and require less water. And because they don't wilt as easily in the midday heat, they're able to photosynthesize synthesize longer and grow more efficiently. The solar panels benefit too. The evaporation from the crops cools them and boosts their performance. In short, Baron Gafford said it's a win-win-win for the food-water-energy nexus. This Week in Water is supported by the American Waterworks Association. Discuss solutions for protecting and managing aging infrastructure at WIC19. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash water infrastructure.